Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. This morning I woke up and I was like 80% excited, but 20% totally terrified. Um, and then now I feel like 99% excited and only 1% terrified. Am I shaking? A little bit. Hello, everybody. My name is Jody Katz. I am the creator and host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. The podcast is actually my side hustle, my day job. I own Base Beauty Creative Agency. We're the omni-channel branding agency and we're hyper-focused on beauty and wellness. I am so grateful to be here with you all tonight. So many familiar faces in the room and so many new faces. You are here for a live podcasting event. I'm actually recording right now, right Kiwi? Yes, we are. Yeah, we're recording right now. So if you have like a giant sneeze, you will get to hear it on the download, <laughs> which will be really cool. You mean like that was me? So before we start and before I bring our guests out, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, everybody should have a card on their seat, a seat card. Um, on the yellow side of the card, you'll find all of the key social media essentials. So if you're having a little bit of trouble with service in here, just shut off your Wi-Fi for a few minutes. Use your LTE to be able to post um, because you know it's a big building and the Wi-Fi is not that great for guests. So just do that during the life of the event. Um, so you'll have all of our handles here. On the reverse side um, are our upcoming events. So more podcasts and residence events. Um, today, as you know, we're joined by Taryn Toomey. Next month, Laura Slatkin, founder of Nest Fragrances. And in March, Trish McAvoy, super famous makeup artist and founder of her brand. So that's that housekeeping. Um, so I mentioned that this is a live podcast recording, but as much as it is about podcasts, tonight is about connecting. Um, I haven't been, I've had the pleasure of learning how to connect more and more with people over the past few years. Networking was not like something I knew. Um, I had to learn it. So I'd love for you to indulge me for a moment and please find someone near you that you've never seen before. Turn to them, introduce yourself, and just do that for me for one moment, please. This is so cool, and I even see like business cards being exchanged. So you will now take a break from networking. You will have more time to network after our program. Um, the program will end before eight, so you'll have more time for networking and business card exchanges and getting to know each other. So thank you for indulging me so much. Um, now I want to learn more about all of you. So just by a raise of hands, how many people here work in the beauty industry or the fitness industry? like half the room. That's pretty interesting. And how many came tonight because Taryn Toomey, our guest, already has a place in your heart? Yeah, that's a lot of people, which is pretty awesome. And then how many came tonight just because you're curious or interested or walking by or we're shopping or... Oh my God, everybody planned to be here. That's pretty cool, right? We had a lot of RSVPs and I'm so grateful that it didn't snow or rain because <laughs> um, you're all here tonight. So thank you for that. Okay, so we will be taking questions. Taryn will be taking questions, but we're going to do it in a kind of fun way. 
So if everybody could go to your Instagram, because it's already on, I know it is. Um, go to Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast, our feed, Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. I'll give you a moment to do that. Okay, so we will be taking questions tonight on Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast on today's post. So it's a picture of me standing right where I am right now. <laughs> so, um, okay, so find that post, and you can use the comments section to submit your questions. Okay, so just as you're sitting here relaxing and learning from Taryn, as questions pop up in your head, don't be shy, there's no stupid questions, right? Be brave, post your questions here. At the end of the conversation, we will be pulling our three favorite questions from the comments section, but wait, there's more. Those three authors of the questions should stay to the end because we have big swag bags for you courtesy of the podcast and Saks and the class that's taught by Taryn Toomey. So please stay till the end, submit your questions. We're super excited to hear from you. And as I mentioned, the Wi-Fi is a little challenging in here, so please go to LTE if you're having trouble to post those questions, okay? So that's that piece of housekeeping. Let's see what's next. I have to have um, time to thank all the important people who have helped make this possible. Um, I want to first thank the visionary team at Saks. I said to them, let's do this, and they said, let's do this. I mean, that's kind of crazy that you can just ask for something, and then it happens. It's not the way I knew that the world worked. I had to learn to trust, but this is pretty amazing. So let's thank um, Saks's Kate Oldman. She's the Senior Vice President of Beauty. The team here, Brian Sosha, Nicole Frischa, and most especially Molly Zupancic. Did I get that? Um, who knows everybody in beauty and is right there. Thank you, Molly. Zupansic. Better? Okay. Um, I told you I was super jittery this morning when I woke up, but my jitters were calmed down because I got to do something really fun. My team and I went around the bend to the corner of the store and had facial workouts at Face Gym. Has anyone been to Face Gym? Oh, hey! There's Elise. That's my Face Gym instructor. Trainer. Okay, it was so much fun, and it's right there in the corner of the store in the front. Um, so definitely check that out, make time for that. And um, thank you, Elise, for stopping by. She's on her way out the door, so it's cool that you came. And then a special thanks to Kim Sohn. She is my friend. She is actually from my town, but she's also the executive director of North America Artistry at Bobby Brown, and she's responsible for the artistry here for myself and my team. So thank you, Kim. Okay, more thank yous. My team. Um, our executive producer, Eleni, our publicist, Kate, and um, our assistant producer who's not here because she is on an audition in LA because she's a performer. So that's Carrie. Thank you to her. Okay, two other special thank yous. Well, three. My husband, who's here. <laughs> that's David, <laughs> who's our like pseudo IT person as well. That's not his day job. Um, so this podcast was not my idea. I never dreamed of being a podcaster. It never even occurred to me, but I was working with my coach, Alan Cohen. We started working together two and a half years ago. And I told him that I don't want to network. I don't want to go to parties. I don't want to sit at bars. I want to go home, put my PJs on, and watch The Real Housewives. <laughs> I'm not great in groups. I'm really uncomfortable in big groups, but I'm great one-on-one. -on -one. So he went home, he meditated on it, and he called me the next day, and he said, you should start a podcast. And I said, what? Um, but I believed in him and I trusted, and here we are now. So this is super exciting. Um, the other person I want to thank is Maggie Chirafardini. 
So Maggie um, is my advisor who taught me how to be brave and bold because I wasn't. I was really not. Um, I had a lot of ideas but just didn't have the um, courage to go for them. So thanks to her, we're here tonight. She introduced me to Kate at Saks and the rest is history. So thank you to all of you. Okay, before I bring our guests on stage, I want to tell you about Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. This month, we're celebrating our two-year anniversary as a podcast. Thank you. Um, I'll get a little bit emotional right now. It's incredibly meaningful to celebrate it in this way. Now I'm going to start shaking. Um, as someone who like suffers from self-doubt, I feel like that's my disease. To be able to, two years later, from having you know the first episode to now standing in front of all of you in this beautiful space with this incredible guest and um, be able to present this, and we launch episodes weekly. Every Wednesday there's a new episode. To be able to be celebrating that today like this is really like beyond meaningful, and I will be crying later because of all the excitement. Um, so thank you all for supporting this, and please tell your friends. Um, okay, so what is Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast? We are a podcast rooted in the beauty and wellness industries, but we don't talk about beauty tips or fitness tips. We don't talk about new launches or sales and revenue. We focus completely on personal journey. So that could be life-work balance, mindset, um, and of course, career choices. My goal in creating the podcast was to humanize the business. I've been in this business for a really long time. I was feeling super disconnected from what I was seeing on stage at events, which were celebrations of people selling their business for millions and billions of dollars. I wasn't connecting with it. That wasn't my story. So on the podcast, I celebrate everybody in our business. We have guests who most certainly are the people that you see on the cover of, you know, Women's Wear Daily and in other publications, right? Those founders or CEOs who are super well-known, we have those people as guests. But also we have guests who are very behind the scenes. You would never know their name unless they were on the podcast. And we have guests who are entrepreneurs who have yet to reach their goals. Um, so we talk about a lot of things on our podcast. It starts with career, it evolves. Um, it's a judgment-free zone, and I think that our guests feel super safe and comfortable being vulnerable on the show. So the conversation kind of evolves from career journey into like divorce, infertility, loss, living for other people, self-doubt, which is my favorite topic. Um, and I think it's really important to honor these stories because our guests found ways to evolve and grow as humans through these stories. And for me, somebody who was feeling so challenged and lost in the business, for me, that's the, most, that's the best career advice I could ever have, right? To be able to learn how to trust and have faith in myself and the journey. So tonight, we are joined by the magnetic Taryn Toomey. Taryn, yes, 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 yes. How do I get in here? How do I get in here? <laughs> Taryn is the founder of The Class by Taryn Toomey, a transcending practice featured in Vogue, and the New York Times, and many other places. With a presence throughout North America, Taryn leads her clients on a virtually unexplainable workout, a deep soul journey to embrace their past and open oneself to a higher purpose and greater fulfillment. Taryn Toomey. Congratulations on that long, beautiful story of your husband helping you find your way off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Husband's like, let's go. 
I love it though. Congrats on it. <laughs> Thank you. So um, it is so meaningful to be here with you. Thank you. Um, I took your class yesterday morning and um, I love fitness and I love thinking and feeling and your class gave me all of that in one and I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and I, you have so many fans here tonight. Will you cheer for Taryn if you're taking her class? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to start Thank with you. one of my favorite questions for our guests. It's a very simple question, um, but I love the day-to-day. -day. How did you spend your day today? My day today, what day of the week is it? It's Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, okay, so I woke up, I got my kids dressed and did like some things that I usually do, which is let them be completely distracted, and then when it's time to go, start to yell at them and tell them, <laughs> Why aren't you listening to me? Well, I'm in the middle of like playing with them. And uh, so that's kind of a true story. Uh, dropped them at school. And then what did I do? I went to a meeting. Um, I went to a meeting and then I went and went to, to the office, took like five different calls. And then I taught my class, the class advanced with live drummer, Caleb Spaulding, which was just off the charts, like amazing to have the live music in the room. Um, and then I went and had another meeting, and then it was like all about trying to figure out how to get up here in time after I've showered and all. Can yeah. you all hear her okay? I yeah. Heard you okay. Yes, voice. yeah. So, um, yeah, let's move you closer. I want okay. everyone to hear every word. That's that so better? much better. Yeah, that's way better, right? Okay. Oh my God, look at how many people are here. Hi, everyone. Okay, so I want you to tell us what is the class? Um, the class is a mind-body cathartic workout where we intentionally engage discomfort in the physical body to close the eyes and witness what the mind does around the feeling. And in that space, we will track different thoughts that we've had. We've noticed how long we've had that thought about the feeling um, and then understand the power of choice. So from, uh, it's a mat-based workout, one muscle group per song on a repetitive motion. So it's, you'll squat for an entire song, the eyes close, and you watch what the mind does, understanding that the brain is an organ, it has a function, it creates thought, it's just doing its job. There's a part of you that's hearing the thought, which is your consciousness, your soul, your spirit, call it what you will. Um, and once the brain is creating a thought about the feeling, which we're using the body to engage the feeling, we notice the thought about the feeling and then understand the power of choice. From there, you can start or stop the movement, you can um, doubt yourself, you can blame, you can look around and get in your neighbor's business, or you can focus your attention on just getting through one more and practice presence. All of the above, it's like you said earlier, it's a judgment-free zone. Nobody is telling you to do anything. It's a, you experiencing yourself and in essence self-actualizing and uh, self-realizing that it's up to you. So in the class you said often, and it really connected with me, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it doesn't feel right, don't do it, yeah. That's how we start a lot of the classes, it's the hands on the body and what we're saying, and when we repeat the same thing over and over, you'll notice that it changes shape, right? If somebody's like, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. You're like, yeah, 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 get it, get it. And then if your hands are on your body and you're saying, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. You start to say it more and more different things come up from the psyche that that kind of has re resonates with. So a lot of the work is just repeating and then repeating. Nobody's teaching anything in there in the way of like, and my mom did this, and this is what happened, and this is what I do now about it. It's just very, very kind of blanket terms 
and allowing one to experience themselves, really. We're engaging one in their own personal experience of self. Let's bring your mic a little closer. I want to make sure everyone hears your words. Okie dokie. Okay. So um, when you say if it doesn't feel good... It doesn't feel right. Right. If it doesn't feel yeah. right, I'm actually was thinking about that, not physical, but emotional. That's right. Because my, my obstacle is not my quads, it's here. Yeah. Like, that's what gets in my way every single time. I mean, that's, that's like some of the whole, for the most part. I mean, we talk a lot about the difference between resistance and injury. People are dealing with injury in the body. That's all about taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And only you know if your excuse is based around injury or if it's actually that you just you have resistance because you're stepping up to the threshold of transformation where all of the excuses live. I don't want to do this. We're talking about physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, anything that you do. So understanding the ability to tolerate sensation as you self-actualize, which is different than just dealing with somebody abusing or projecting, you know, and the, the nuanced kind of like ability to strip out those two things and notice when you are embodied and in your body, it's a much different experience than when you're just in your mind. We use movement and music as medicine, mm -hmm. and the medicine for me is being in your body as opposed to being out of your body. And usually when you're in your mind, not usually, I mean, there's a lot of, we could talk about that for so long, but when you're just in the mind, you're usually not that present, right? You're in some story, some fear that has not happened, that you're reliving 50 times before it doesn't happen, or you're uh, thinking about something that, that happened before. And you know the intellect, the brain, is, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when it's used in the way of you feel like you're in your body, you ask yourself a question, and then you allow the mind, or, right? or you're at work and you're working with these different types of executing or action. But when you're just in a state of disassociation or you're just out, that's different. And that's what we're practicing in the class, the understanding you're feeling something and you probably want to get out and your ability to tolerate the feeling because you know what it is. In that class, it's strength. You get through one more, you get through one more, you stay present, you do one more, right? We're talking about life when you're mm -hmm. up against anything because you know that it's strength. That's the big difference, as opposed to knowing that it's you reconditioning the things that are not working because we talk about all the time what you repeat, you strengthen. And when you repeat it, it makes it easier. Talk about your bicep curl, talk about your jumping jack, talk about the destructive behavior of doing X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. You strengthen it every time you do it. So it's really self-awareness. Right, so when I'm talking to myself in my head and I'm, not, and I'm saying, no, it's too hard for me, I'm strengthening that it's too hard for me and I'm convincing myself it's too hard for me. Yeah, you can give the brain a job. That's a beautiful thing. Right, but it I can, can redirect it. tell so, it that well. it's not too hard for me. You kept saying, there's just one more. And yeah. then just one more, yeah. right? So you're reminding me that I can get through that one. I don't have to worry about the 20 more to come. Well, I'm just holding the space for you to remind yourself. That's mm -hmm. really the truth. That's why it, it's, you, nobody can do that work for you. No one, right? If uh, somebody's gonna tell you that they can do something for you energetic, I mean, people can hold space for you to experience, but if it's not coming through you and it's not you doing it, it's not gonna stick around. Right? It's like the things when you like read an Instagram post and you're like, ha that makes sense. Or like you open a book and you're like, oh, but when you're doing it through the physical body, it stays with you and it becomes somatic, which is really how and why I created the class. Because for me, it was just a completely different experience of experiencing my own ability through my body. And you're training yourself, right? I mean, you, and you're training yourself to do this or that or this or that. It's all like awareness of what you're training. 
So um, let's talk about the origin of the class. Um, can you take us back to when this even wasn't called the class? Yeah, uh, that was about seven years ago. I started teaching it in the basement in the gym of my building downtown um, for uh, almost two years, a little under two years, with no name, uh, with the intention to heal some grief that I was feeling from somebody that had passed away and she had an orphanage down in Peru and left 25 children behind. So the way that I started teaching it was uh, just to link up what was going on. I remember my, um, I had just had my first daughter a couple months earlier and I spoke to my midwife and she said, oh yeah, you're just, you have postpartum. Um, we should probably put you on a low dose of whatever it was at the time. And I remember just, it was the first time anybody had told me I needed to be medicated. And mm. I don't have any like hit around medication. It's used when needed and not. And you know, everyone has their own choice. I just remember having this weird schism of like, that didn't really feel right. And I'd never experienced grief before. And I sat with it for like two weeks. And then I realized like, whoa, this is not postpartum. I mean, maybe there was a little bit of it. I think in some ways a lot of us experience that to some degree. Um, but I started to teach the class uh, and we would send the money every month to her children just as a way to heal and keep her spirit alive. Um, Kia, thank you. Um, so after about two years, uh, there's a longer story behind why I stopped uh, sending the funds down there. Uh, gave it a name, the class, because I couldn't think of what to call it. Um, it was always the class, you go going to tease class, you know, that kind of like conversation. And then uh, started teaching a kid's dance studio three times a week and then slowly just started, people kept coming and I was just waiting for them to stop coming. You know, people sometimes would leave at the very beginning. They're like, what is wrong with this chick? She's <laughs> fucking out of her mind. I don't know how to say that. Uh, <laughs> oops. Uh, so whatever, like I just kept going because there's a part of me that just said like, keep going, keep going. And um, I was feeling fulfilled by the amount of people that were feeling the benefits from it, mm -hmm. that it kept me in the lane of like, all right, this is the way life goes. You, when you share a part of yourself, you know, with the intention to heal to a world that is not very kind and you get hit back by it, it's a really strange organization that you have to do to continue to do it. So I would bring it into the room and then I would vaguely speak about it and then I would move it through my body and I wouldn't be stuck around it. So you would hear, I guess, um, critical feedback or feel criti criticized, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing in there is a little bit different, right? We're shaking yeah. our body and <laughs> You know, but only after we've We've acknowledged, you know, what's, what the thoughts are, right? We gain the trust of the room. There's a very specific teacher training manual of like, you don't walk in there and go like, feel your spirit, like da 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 Like, you get people on their body. You get, you get the music going, you get the fire going, you get the mirrors fogged, and then you can drop in the felt sense of understanding, this is your body, this is your mind. And you cannot, in my opinion, talk about those two things without understanding spirit but we don't talk about the fact that you have a spirit embodied that chose this body until you've really gained the trust of the room, especially to like cynics or people that are just like whatever, or you know, fill in the blank. So that's the method that we go about to, to understand that. You know, we're having a spiritual experience or you're just literally in your brain all day and all night until you're not anymore. So that's, that's my two cents about it. I think it's so interesting that um, there wasn't a lot of thought behind and intent behind the name of 
the program called The Class because it really actually feels so intentional. This is, The is an article, right? Any of my writers in the room, right? The. So it, it gives it meaning and bigness and makes it feel robust and um, valued. And the fact that it was just, well, I didn't know what to call it, so you called it The Class. It's, it's really interesting to me. Well, I went, we went back and forth for about three months with all the people that were taking the class and they were saying things like, it like burning into balance was in the game for a while. And so he's like, Terrence, tight end. I was like, oh my God. Like, could you imagine? It's like, it's just, it's like the opposite of everything that we do in there. Um, so it was a class in lowercase letters with a period at the end, just in a typewriter font. And the intention was that it can be anything you want because we're just inviting people to experience themselves. And the whole time it's do it or don't, you know, do it or don't. And when you tell people that they don't have to do something, they oftentimes do it, right? It's just like this weird, or find that they're able to do it. So you, it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be anything else. So I just thought that the name, the class, allowed it to uh, be whatever it is to the person that's coming in. So there was intention, but it was also that I wasn't like, it's the class, like, ho, 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 you know? Like, and some people started saying that early on, like, who does this chick think she is? Like, naming it the class. I remember those conversations like it was yesterday, because I'd be like, dude, no, like, that's not what I mean. Like, please don't just project this thing that I think that it's this thing that it's not, because it never was. It's never really been about me, you know? It's just holding a space for people. It's, um, I think it's a really meaningful name. Thank you. And I saw a lot of circles, right? You have circles in your logo. Yeah. They're a little light fixture, had intertwined yep. circles. Christopher Boots, yeah, beautiful. I love his work. Uh, and the crystals that are in the windows. So the logo I drew because it's a, it's a, it's, um, it's funny because they just had asked me earlier what I defined balance as, and I was saying that it's like a pendulum, right? You pull it, and they talk about this in some of, of the more ancient um, teachings and traditions. You pull the, uh, the, the, you pull it too far in one direction. When you let it go, it swings, right? And you're this midline that's experiencing like going off the midline, going out the midline. And when you let this, when you let it go. Right? It's, it'll swing the other direction until it eventually slows down. So the intention is to not go too far off the midline. So the logo is you step in, you're the midline, and then it's the circle, circle, circle. It gets bigger, it gets bigger. That's your burpee. That's the breakdown of somebody telling you news that you never, ever wanted to hear or thought you didn't have to hear. You go so far out of the thing because you're in the thing, and then it eventually comes back, eventually comes back, eventually comes back. Meanwhile, you're the midline experiencing it all, and then you come out the other side, and then it's over. That's the burpee. That's the, the feeling, the experience, right? It all ends, none of it is permanent. So we practice that through the body, right? But, and you, you drew this? This was your yeah. idea? Well, we hired like two different agencies and um, you know, they give you like three stamps and you're like, no. And they're like, you're wrong. Everything about you is wrong. And I'm just like, ah, you know, because I've always felt things through my eyes. Um, so I realized that after a while, like I, I think I just have to take this over. So I just drew it. It's awesome. Thank you. So as you were talking um, about sometimes when you tell people you don't have to do it, they do it. And I immediately started to think about raising kids. Um, so let's talk about that. Great. Um, how has what you've learned and grown in the class influenced your style of parenting? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so a lot of why, uh, a lot of what's gone on in the class has allowed me to understand the power of choice and then action, right? And it's very easy for us to understand. 
I mean, I think we all work on this this day and age. We hear it all the time um, about patterns and reconditioning and lineage and all the things that we pass down. And you don't realize how true that is until you actually become a mother or a father and you realize, oh my God, I am sounding like my mother, right? And then it's like real. You're like, oh, okay. So the ability to catch yourself in the state of fill in the blank, notice it, become present, get in your body, and then decide choice and action, believing that, at least for me, and not even just believing, that's a silly word to say, we are their first entry point of intimacy and love, and what we're teaching them and how we're teaching them to be is going to end up being the landscape for their life. And I just love my little girls so much. I just, um, you know, I mean, you know what it's like when you have a child, right? It's like the, the most difficult thing in the world. And it's also, you don't know, you can't remember life before it. And a, like a love that you didn't know was possible. I think it's all like instinctual and primal in many ways. Um, but that I just really, I don't want my girls to have to uh, torture themselves the way that I did. And I think that, um, the ability to be self-aware and to pause before action and words and understanding that they are containing what you're doing in the best way they can organize. I try to let my girls be totally free spirits while understanding like basic kind of ways of life. You know, it's not like, go ahead and like cut the line and like poop on the floor. You know, <laughs> you obviously want them to understand, but like to, to nurture them in a way where they feel like they can be themselves um, and express and um, I mean you, you can already see the difference in the two and that's really everything we do in the class all the things that I just said we're practicing really parenthood right life and relationship with yourself and with others and yeah and um, you just mentioned torture yourself what, what does that mean you were torturing yourself uh, the internal you know kind of disassociated ways because of early childhood stuff that went on, you know, and I think it shows up later on in life in many ways throughout life and the things that you say to yourself and the things that you believe about yourself and the lack uh, of understanding that um, that it's really not about present day. Uh, so I had to do a lot of work around all of that. I still, I still do, you know, it's why I think I can teach what I teach and I do what I do, um, just because a lot of the ways that life was presented for me. So for me, that kind of stuff comes up as, um, there's a saying, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Yeah. Um, so when I'm getting like really amped up about something that's probably pretty minor, I've learned to be able to like stop and think about this feeling and get out of the what's happening today because it's just not about yeah. that person or that event or that thing that was said. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, it's just practice. Um, yeah. To not be hysterical, right? Or get, unravel well, it takes, my hysterics. It, it, it all goes back to self-awareness. I mean, at the end of the day, it's awareness. It's awareness that you're feeling hysterical. It's awareness that you want to fill in the blank. It's, it's just awareness around it. And, you know, at times I practice this thing where you just kind of 360 point of view yourself, bird's eye point of view it and see it, you know, see yourself in that state. But you, you can't do that unless you're aware that you're doing it. Right. So it's self-awareness at the end of the day. So I like actually talk to myself in my head a lot, especially when these things happen. Do you have a process in that where you sort of 
try to solve this for yourself so you can be more you, more whole? It's just that I notice when I'm really feeling triggered about something and I've learned to really take some breath around it, especially if it's a text message, you know, or like something where you can actually just put the thing away. Yeah. Um, and then, it be, you know, you become your practice in that, like you practice it and then that's how it starts to become that much easier. It just becomes the way you are now. Um, I really believe in the power of the pause, of like pausing when you feel that, taking time, getting like out of the triggered state and then acting from a place where you can stay in relationship with people. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier that I really have found a way now where I can be in conversation with people about the way I'm feeling about something without being combative mm -hmm. and stay in relationship with them. And I think for people to be able to do that, to be able to express different points of view and still stay in relationship without somebody being like, yeah, wrong, you know, or like, yeah, you know, and just be like, okay, holding your space in your body, understanding, you know, respect for yourself, respect for others' opinions. And from there, like, I think the breadth of the way you can experience these things, these hysterical things, it's just like, it's, you're just aware that it's happening as opposed to like, I have no control this is happening, you know? So were you ever that person who was screaming to, to have your point of view heard? Was, was no, I just, um, I noticed like that when I would feel like I didn't have a choice about something or somebody was telling me I would feel a certain way, those are the times when I would become very, very frustrated. And um, yeah, I used to, uh, with certain people, and um, I wouldn't say I was screaming at them, but I grew up in a house where yelling was the normal. And the way that love was given is that you would yell and kind of all the things would happen. And then after that, you know, two hours later, you would get all this love and all, oh, I'm so sorry, or whatever it was. Um, so I learned that you can easily express, I hate you to someone and then they're supposed to just come back and be okay with you being like, okay, we're, we're good now, we're good now. And they would happen. be like, what are you, like, excuse me, like, I don't process like that, I'm a different human. And I started to realize that if I wanted to stay in relationship with these people, I had to look at my behavior and what I was doing. So it becomes, you know, you free yourself and then you free them too by allowing yourself to have awareness around just the pattern, you know? And that's what we do in the class. We're using the physical body to notice the feeling and notice the thought about the feeling and then notice what part of it is pattern. How long have you been saying that? How long have you been thinking about that? And then from there, it's like, oh, you know, and then you open up these like intuitive channels in your body and you start to experience things from the felt sense of intuition as opposed to from intellect. There's a different conversation that goes on in there. So were you practicing these approaches to life before the first class? Yeah, I mean, the class is really a manifestation of like my 40 years of life, right? It's like um, just everything kind of in this kind of organism. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been seeking what this thing is, this thing inside me that I was just like, Wah! you know, I think probably from my like, in my teens, I used to play a lot of sports when I was in my teens and a lot of mountain climbing and backpacking and all these kind of like 
outdoor in the land movement things. And I always found that's when I found myself um, able to feel less anxious and out of my body. Uh, I didn't have the words for it then, but reflecting on it, I've always used movement to get in. Um, and I also remember feeling early on that I was, it wasn't always gonna be like that and that I had a choice. You knew that you had a choice, even I remember young. that it wasn't always gonna, I, me, I remember the idea of saying to myself, this is current life and that it's not always gonna be like this, right? I remember that kind of dialogue very early on. Um, and it wasn't from a place of like, you know, like to everyone around me. It was just like, I know I'm like, it's just, I'm gonna have a choice one day. I, it's interesting, just I'm, I'm thinking about it, just talking about it with you because it's like I knew it here. It wasn't intellect. It was just like, stay steady, be you. I was always in trouble in school because I was always like laughing and doing all the things. I remember I used to like sit with my neighbor and be like, can you let me massage your hand? You know, or like, can you massage mine? Like I was always just like, like during class. yeah, I still am. You should see me in the office. People call massage me the, the uh, <laughs> people call me the CDO, the chief distraction officer. Uh. Um, but I'll tell you, we have a really, really good time in that, in that office. We, we, we get it done. Um, so yeah, I think I just, I don't know. There's a knowing inside of us, right? This is what I always say in the class. It's different than intellect. It's, you, you know when you first meet someone, you know when you first step into an experience, you know when you shouldn't have taken that job, you know when you shouldn't have replied to that thing, right? And I'm talking about the knowing, the feeling that you're like, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to, right? The intellect overrides it. And then it just takes so much time for us to unwind it. So getting into the intelligence in you and then noticing when to say no, so that way you don't have to spend all of this effort and energy to unhook from the thing, you know? It's such a gift that you knew in your gut or whatever you want to call it, that it won't, wouldn't always be that way. Um, I, I live differently, like I didn't even connect to feelings. Like I didn't have a gut. I just, everything's fine, everything's fine. Even th when things were not fine and they were not fine yeah, many, many times. Um, I, I didn't even have an awareness that I didn't have feelings. Um, it was really like um, going through infertility that opened this door to like this crazy feeling of loss and sadness that even made me, that was like the first time I really felt something yeah. in a huge way. So what a gift to know even as a teen that like you're going to get yourself to a different place, yeah. that you have that power. Yeah, I really do feel that it was a gift and I oftentimes look at the things that went on and I certainly do not act in a place of like, um, anger or, or like victim or anything around any of the experience that went on for me in my entire life, and I'm not just talking about early childhood, I just, it's, it, I used to hear this when people would say like, just be grateful and just like, and I'd be like, you have no idea, you know? It used to be so frustrating when people would simplify things that are difficult and say like, all of these kind of like trite terms and it would, I would get really frustrated by them. And now I really, really understand the power of just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wake up every morning, I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, until it liquefies the feeling of um, whatever it is that I'm feeling frustrated by. Doesn't mean it's not happening, doesn't mean it's not difficult, but the ability to just like shift the awareness around it because you can use it as information and as a tool 
to, to shift something here, you know, not just here, here too, but like, if you view it and you thank it and you're like, okay, like, this is where I am, this is what's happened, this is where I'm at, thank you, and then use it, you know? So for, for someone who is so new to feelings and so new to like listening to their gut or even having these sensations, what's their first step? into this world that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, usually the way that we begin each class, which is standing tall, placing your hands on your body, dropping your chin to your chest, and just taking a few minutes just to breathe, feeling your own touch with your body and your own body with your touch, right? So there's a felt sense of physical body there. Noticing that the brain as an organ, has a function, creates thought. And then how are you feeling, right? How are you feeling? You can continue to ask it over and over until you understand the difference between thought and feeling. And usually it's a very like palpable sense of like, you drop in and it's a feeling or it's a thought, mm -hmm. right? Just differentiate the two. So how do I differentiate the two? How do I know? You could, because you can feel it. It's a somatic felt sense in your physical body. When your heart aches, you can feel it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're having a thought about the heartache, you're thinking about what caused it, you know? Right. For me, when, when you actually feel grief and sadness and emotions that um, help you process, you know, my dear friend Kevin Courtney said, um, you know, grieve well. Like, grieve well. People don't do that anymore. You know, the ability to process grief and, like, do it well. Find a space, find a community, and like grieve, you know? Um, and we're not saying like sit in depression or like do all these things. We're saying like feel the thing, you know, that is so painful, the loss of something or someone, or like feel it, fearlessly process it. You will feel it. You will sob and weep and move it, and then that moves, and then it's over, and then maybe another wave comes, but. That's a feeling, you know? That's a feeling. Right. A thought about the feeling is, you know, I'm so mad that that thing happened, or I'm so, like, irritated about, like, you know, that person, and I should go, you know? Um, a feeling is sobbing, weeping, and not judging the feeling, but actually allowing yourself to just, you know? Everybody's laughing right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> you know, what's so interesting to me is we've been talking for probably like 25 minutes and we haven't talked about like fitness and getting yeah. strong Let's or losing it. weight or whatever these things are, right? Like we've been talking so much about like emotions and connecting and um, moving through the world, yeah. right? So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because your class gave me that, right? I actually was in a meditative state, yeah. which I've never done in a workout like, ever, right? I work out and then I... Go take a shower. Yeah. Um, so how do the two connect for you? Well, it's, I, I always forget to say that people always want to talk about this stuff that we're talking about right now with the class because most of fitness out there is, a, is fitness, right? And it's you go in and you work out and you leave. I mean, it's such a killer workout, right? You're going to work every single muscle group and we're doing eight minutes of burpees on the beat and you're like, forget that. And, you know, I remember somebody saying once, like, her friend was like, you should go to class. We do burpees for like eight minutes and people cry. She's like, yeah. 
Like, this sounds absolutely horrible. And then you go, and you're like, okay, I did the burpees, and I cried. Um, so, and let me, can I go again? Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, what I was saying that we, we, when you're in your body, right, we begin by tapping the heels and moving the arms like this and getting in the proprioceptive system that lives in your joints, which grounds you, right, and the ability to feel the impact of what we're doing and then contraction, expansion, contraction, expansion, and you're sweating and you're noticing your, your, your thoughts and you're understanding power of choice and then you're like, whoa, you know, the whole thing and getting through it. And then you're empowering yourself and all the doubt you thought you couldn't do it and then you could do it, you kind of forget that you're like not gonna be able to walk the next day. And then you wake up in the morning and people are like, oh my God, I was so sore. But you know, because you're in the experience. Um, and then we close every class with um, stretching, breath work and meditation. So we put people back together. And the whole time while we're doing this, you know, at the end of every really big, powerful, long movement, we go into stillness and we place our hands on our body and we reconnect chin to chest, brain drops into heart and you breathe. And then we begin again. So it's not like blowing the adrenals out or like pumping the cortisol through the system and like freaking the body out. It's doing it very mindfully while being very powerful. So when people leave in this meditative state, it's because they're grounded, they're embodied and they, they just got their ass kicked, but they weren't in their suffering through it. Right, so after the class, no, not after the class, at the end of the class, there's this movement where we're like pumping our heart, but it almost just feel like I'm like flying, right? Yeah. And um, it's a lot. And then afterwards, we put our hands on our chest and our stomach. And I was like, why is my heart not racing? And I was actually going like this, like, where's my heartbeat? <laughs> Because it wasn't racing, but I would have expected it to be like going nutso, yeah. right? Um, why was it like calm? Why was my heart calm in that well, moment? When we're activating these movements, as I'm sure you remember, the whole time we're breathing. Inhale, exhale, and we're talking about being able to recover in the intensity. So when things are hitting the fan in the room and outside of the room, and your sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, goes out, and up and you're staying in your body and you're aware of it and you're breathing and you're actively bringing your heart down because you're, you're building the intensity but you're so connected to the fact that you're building it and you're stabilizing yourself as it moves up. So oftentimes you get a much easier time recovering life, the class, the, the movement in the arms, you know, because you're connected and you're staying with yourself. Did you ever have like a random dust job like, or were you like... <laughs> yeah, I did. I had a lot of jobs. Um, I worked at Boston Market, and then I worked uh, at Remax. I was in, like, real estate for, like, when I was... This is when I was, like, 18. Um, and then I worked at Ralph Lauren for a bunch of... Yeah, I did. I, I, I had a desk job at Ralph Lauren for a lot of years. What did you do there? Uh, I started in their store, and then I worked my way into New York, um, and then I worked, was an account executive. So it was the perfect job for me to uh, want to leave. And had I, loved, had I loved the job, you know, I loved being there because I didn't go to college and I kind of worked my way through the world. And um, I loved being there because it felt so great to be a part of that like culture. It was a lifestyle brand and right. it was really beautiful um, to be a part of that, you know. Um, and it was like sitting behind Excel spreadsheets all day going to a market with buyers. Saks was actually one of my accounts, which is interesting. Um, and I remember trying to get a job in design. I worked there for almost seven years. And I tried to get a job in design and it didn't work out and I ended up leaving. And had I gotten that job, I bet you I'd still be there. Um, but I was just really unfulfilled with what I was doing. Were you studying all of this 
emotional, physical stuff while you had these jobs? Yeah, in retrospect, yeah. I was doing it, but through self-study. I wasn't doing it with people. I was doing it when I would go for a run. I was reading, I was journaling, and I was figuring out what that thing was. I knew I felt really good when I was with people that I really loved, and I felt safe around, and my spirit was bright, and I would be laughing a lot, and just like feel really safe. I noticed when I didn't feel safe. I noticed why, like almost to the point where you could make yourself mad. You know, it's almost like you're watching yourself move through life, but I look back on it now and it all makes sense. You know, it makes sense. So the last thing I want to talk about is social media. Okay. Um, you, um, you mentioned thanking, think, saying thank you for the day, and I noticed on your, one of your posts yesterday you said thank you for the day at the end of the day. Um, and I was like, this is when social is so great for me. Because mm -hmm. I needed to be reminded in that moment to say thank you to the world like that existed. Today is all I have, yeah. right? So thank you for it. Yeah. Um, but it can also be really challenging. Yeah. Um, and not just a time suck, but upsetting and feed into my self-doubt and um, the FOMO. So, um, you know, what, what's your philosophy about this tool? I mean, so everything that I just said about you can use it as information and then decide. So the things that are not working in the world of social media, you just have to pull the ripcord on that. We talk about pulling your own emergency handle all the time. You look at the behaviors that are creating dis-ease in your body and in your mind and in your heart and you stop doing them. Unfollow things, stop looking at things. Notice when you're having FOMO, understand social media is not reality. And follow things that make you feel inspired and connected. You know, I mean, for me, it's been difficult. People have always said, you have to hashtag this thing and you gotta do this thing and you gotta la 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 la. And I'm like, I can't. You know, I just, I, it can't. It, you can feel into people that are trying to create something that feels like it's um, a message of understanding that there is not one human better than another. It's just, that's a true story. And that we're all on this kind of work and just seek those people and unfollow the rest, you know? Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, I. I really can channel that. Um, I think it's actually sort of part of like the, the purpose of the podcast too. Yeah. Like we are, we are all equals. I did not sell my company for a billion dollars, but that person who did like has to make her daughter breakfast too. Yeah. And her daughter might be like, no, I don't want that. And then it might turn into, well, you're eating that. Right, and then it goes on and, and then on. And throw the waffle <laughs> at their face and then they never eat the waffle again. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't actually do that, but I'm just... <laughs> Well, we have these arguments like, no, you'd like this yesterday. No, I don't like it anymore. Well, I, eat it today, right? So um, anyway, this <laughs> as long as you it's basically yes, breakfast. Self-awareness. <laughs> um, breakfast is the only reliable meal in our house for our kids. They have yeah. breakfast for breakfast, breakfast for lunch, and breakfast for dinner. Yep. <laughs> get it, get it done. Um, okay, so thank you for saying that, though, about... Yeah. Um, I can just let in what I want to let in on social. Like I really can stop looking at the things that make me unhappy. You just stop. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No more ring around the rosy. Right. Just stop. No more peeking in. Yeah. It's just what it's, it's like. It's it's a whole that's a whole other level of abuse, right? I mean, you know why you're doing it, or you don't. You just keep doing it. You're like, why do I feel like shit? Let me keep doing it. You know. I mean, that's the thing we're talking about. It's yes. real, you know. Right. Stop doing it. How do you stop? You stop. Yes. yes, yes, just stop. Yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for this. We're going to open up for questions before we conclude. So um, I'm going to, I guess, go to my Instagram because that's where, yeah, oh, you have them? I do. Oh, Kate's amazing. I got it. So if um, you are selected, I will be in the corner over there and you can receive your gift bags. 
Sorry, if you're selected, you're going to get a gift bag. <laughs> okay, so um, is Jay Gilbs here? Jay underscore Gilbs. Hi, Jay. Where's Jay? Is Jay hiding? Oh, hi, Jay. So Jay asks, what is your real name? Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hello. Jessica wants to know, when dealing with self-doubt, what is your favorite mantra? Oh, favorite mantra. I mean, when dealing with self-doubt, I mean, it's not really about a mantra. It's like self-doubt is, you can really channel that into the way of like, it's self-doubt or is it, Fear because you're comparing, comparing yourself? Is it um, because you're onto something that's gonna shift your, your new normal? Like, get real with why you're having the self-doubt. Because for me, self-doubt's not just like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, like a mantra. It's actually figure out what the self-doubt's about. Like, give it a name, give it a location, and then organize yourself around what it is. Like. You know, when I'm creating something new or I want to experience something new or do something new, there's, I think, a normal dialogue of self-doubt because the body is feeling fearful. Can I do this? Am I going to do this? That's different, you know, um, than self-doubt because you're comparing yourself or self-doubt because you're living the same exact conversation that you were told from your mom when you were four, you know? So just get to know, like, strip out them and then look at them for what they are and then just... You know, for me, it's about the practical reality sometimes. You feel that way because you're living in fear. You feel that way because it's an old conversation. You feel that way because you're comparing yourself. And then from there, have a conversation and process it. And then you move forward from that. I mean, it's kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Next question is Pooja167. Are you here? Hi, what is your name? Oh, hi, Pooja. So Pooja asked, how do you embody the spirit and framework of the class outside of the studio in your normal day-to-day -day life? Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard not to because the class came through me, you know, it kind of is me. So it's like, I'm pretty much the same way in the room that I am outside of the room, which is, um, you know, I like to connect with people. I'm really into one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and being with them and being present with them. Um, I think that's just so you know, underused these days. I like to use humor, which is what we do in class. And I like to um, understand the ability to like run in these different pathways in the brain of like, you know, sometimes I'm the CEO and I'm running the business meeting and we're dealing with uh, things that are, you know, investor relations and stuff like that. We just went out to do our first round of fundraising. So that's been a big thing. Um, and understanding when to be a mentor and a teacher and understanding um, when to be a mom, you know, we talk about, it's funny, when I was talking about this the other day with somebody, uh, the word ego, people think the word ego is this like loaded term of like, whoa, you know, ego is just the identifying tool. Who are you in that moment? When I'm with my children, my ego is mother. When I'm in the front of the room, my ego is teacher, right? Um, so the ability to step in and out of different experiences with people and be in that space with them is really how I embody it outside of the room. It's the same thing I do in there. Thank you, Pooja. And our last question, swag bag winner, goes to Don Widower. Are you here? Don, are you here? Don's like this. Is Don's gone, so Don doesn't get a question. <laughs> Kate's gonna pick He's another just question. He's talking about crying. 
<laughs> if you're not here, you can't play. Next one. Okay. So A. Vincent, 226. Oh, hi. So she asked, Taryn, in your career, what hasn't felt right, and what opportunities have you passed on and realized it was the right decision after? Mm, a lot. There was a lot of no's early on when I first started teaching the class. Um, you know, we had this like nice website and we had all these things. So different magazines were coming and people were saying, let me do, you know, and I said no to so many things um, because I was always thinking either long game or do I want my name on that? And uh, there was a lot of press we passed on early on that was like, and a couple of my teachers would be like, let me do that. And I'd be like, okay, let me show you why. I'm like, look at this article and this thing. And it's like, come down to all fours and lift your right leg. You know, you're doing like move of the class. And then it's like, click here to figure out sexual penetration, <laughs> like deep whatever. And I'd be like, what? And they'd be like, let me do it, you know? So I know, sorry, everyone. I don't know, can I say that stuff? Is it still gonna get cut? This is a real story. It's a real story. I'm just speaking the truth. I'm not trying to be, uh, be that way. Um, so it was like a lot of things that I, you know, you, you can get a hit quickly from things of like the thing that comes up online or the thing in the magazine, or you could put that aside and just understand like I was on a bigger perp, I have a bigger purpose and a mission other than, uh, than to feel uh, like some sort of thing in, in the public eye. So it was a lot around that, a lot of nose around all that stuff. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't... A feeling that it just wasn't me. It wasn't me and I didn't want to do it. And a lot of um, times you would, you, you know, you get caught up in the like, I guess I would use this, this, it's funny I just use the word ego. The ego, the one that wants to be inflated, it's easy to say yes to things because you think maybe this is my last opportunity. And it's not, right? So. But that's fear, right? Yeah, it's fear, and it's also believing that, you know, the thing that I was doing is going to end soon. Mm -hmm. um, and that I, I realized in a place that wasn't really just my intellect that I was going to be doing what I was doing because I found my purpose. So I would say no to a lot of things. I mean, I just said no to a big um, deal with a apparel line because one of the main things I want to do, I did a collaboration with Lululemon a couple of years ago, and we've been out um, of contract with them for a while, so we're trying to figure out who to work with next, and I just turned one down because they wouldn't factor into the deal to take the class on tour. And for me, I always need to keep true to the work of the class, which is to bring this message to as many people as possible. So I turned that down because they wouldn't bring in the community element. And, you know, was that silly? Yeah, I'm sure it would probably have been a great um, thing and it would have helped me in a lot of ways financially, but that's, the, I have to stay true to my mission and I just didn't feel right. So I have to just know and hope that hopefully that turns over something that's gonna be different and better and stay in the ethos and the spirit of the class in my work, yeah. Thank you for our contributors to the questions. And now we get to close the way that we always close the podcast. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Taryn. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Taryn. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.